Amen. You may be seated. Um, this morning, we are glad to have um, the McKenzies um, with us today, and we're grateful for them leading um, uh, us in worship today. Um, Daniel, um, I, have to, I have to say, it probably uh, makes you incredibly proud to have um, uh, your family leading. That's an incredible thing. And um, one of the things that um, is impressive about Daniel and his family is um, the godly legacy that you have um, with your family, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, this morning, um, I want to welcome you to First Baptist Church, uh, our last time to worship in 2023, all right? And so um, one of the things I want us to think about is how God has blessed us this year and so many ways that the Lord has blessed us. And I am so thankful, so thankful for all of the people who have come to know Christ this year, those who have been baptized, those who've joined our church. It's an incredible thing. Um, this last Sunday on Christmas Eve, we had over a thousand people join us for worship and to praise Christ. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. God is truly at work here at First Baptist, and I am so grateful to be a part of it. Um, this morning, uh, Jake, our uh, associate pastor of uh, uh, evangelism and outreach, all right? Evangelism and outreach. Um, he's going to be uh, concluding our series in carols, and he's going to be talking to us this morning about one of everyone's favorite carols, and it's an appropriate one for one after Christmas, Go Tell It on the Mountain, and that'll be a fun time for us this morning. 
Um, if you're a guest with us, we want to say a special welcome to you. We would love to have a record of your visit. If you would fill out a connection card in the pew back in front of you or by scanning the QR code on the screen, um, we would love to give you a gift today at the Welcome Center, and we would love to get to know you better. But as we transition in this time of prayer and we continue in worship, let us go to the Lord in just a moment of reflection to be so thankful for how he has blessed us in 2023. Will you bow with me? In the quietness of your heart, will you just take a moment to thank God for all of his blessings? I'm sure there's ups and downs and difficulties and hard moments, but through it all, the Lord has been faithful. Father, we thank you so much for how you have blessed each and every one of us in 2023. You have provided. You have not forgotten us. You have been with us every step of the way. We praise you for that. And Father, as we reflect, Father, we acknowledge that at times we failed to give you the honor and praise that you deserved for how you were at work in us. But Father, right now we are pausing and we are saying thank you for all that you have given us. For everything good that we have came from you. And we acknowledge that. Father, as we turn the page into 2024, I pray it will be a year of pursuing after you giving you praise and honor. And Father, as we look to 2024, we don't know what is ahead. We don't know what is to come. But Father, we know this, that Jesus Christ came and he lived the perfect life. He died an atoning death and he rose again on the third day and he rules and reigns from the throne of God. No matter what comes in 2024, nothing will change the fact that Jesus is on the throne press that into our hearts this morning and help us step into the new year confident because our king reigns we pray all of this in jesus name amen let's continue to worship
nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah All the earth to shout your praise. It's all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. It's all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. Bones will say, Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will say, Great are you,
shout your praise, God. We await for the coming of our Savior, God. And as we um, learn this morning about um, our job and going and telling God, um, bring this reality of all the earth shouting your praise, God. Um, we are so thankful um, to know a God um, who knows us and who loves us. God, go before us and speak through this text. Um, we love you, and it's your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Mackenzie Clan, for leading us in worship. Good morning, Happy New Year. So today we conclude the series on the carols of Christmas. And as Brady has mentioned, we're looking at the carol, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Before we unpack the background of the carol, I want to give you the big idea this morning. And the big idea is this, that good news is to be enjoyed. But good news is fully enjoyed when it's shared. So Go Tell It on the Mountain is an African-American spiritual that celebrates the birth of Christ. It was one of the spirituals that were sung in the fields by um, African-American slaves longing for freedom. Now, I didn't know that. My assumption was that this carol was written in the mountains of Appalachia, right? Uh, when I sing it, that's what I see. The first church I served in was First Baptist Mountain City, and I just imagine it was written right there in those mountains. And I'm wrong, absolutely wrong, about as wrong as me thinking that Florida State had a chance against Georgia. Can I get an amen? But um, the song's author is unknown. The original title of this carol is When I Was a Seeker. But the song we currently sing today was compiled by a man named John Wesley Work, Jr., his father was a uh, worship pastor. He grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and he loved music. He was a Latin professor at Fisk University. 
but he was also the first African-American to be a collector of Negro spirituals. So it was a difficult task to com com compile all of these songs um, because very few were written down. These were all kind of an oral tradition. But he was up to the challenge and he published his book, New Jubilee Songs as Sung by the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And in the second volume of that book, the carol, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is found. Now, during the slavery era in America, the spirituals songs that they would sing, they had sometimes a double meaning. And Go Tell It on the Mountain also had this coded message communicated in it to share the news about the Underground Railroad, to share the news about freedom for the slaves. And so here's the question I want us to consider this morning. What does an enslaved people group pointing their family, friends, and coworkers to freedom have in common with us today? I believe we're going to find some answers to that question in a story found in 2 Kings chapter 7. And what I hope we see in 2 Kings chapter 7 is the importance of enjoying and sharing the good news of the gospel. So here's the background of 2 Kings chapter 7. The northern king of Israel is being uh, under siege by the Syrians. The Syrians have invaded Israel. The siege is around Samaria, the capital city, and a siege was a type of military strategy of if we can't get over your walls, we will shut down your economy by surrounding your city. Nothing can come in. Nothing can go out. If we can't get in there, we're going to starve you out. The strategy was brutal and it was effective. And in 2 Kings 6, the people are starving. The text tells us some gruesome details about what's going on inside the city. A donkey's head would be sold for a year and a half wages. So if you wanted to feed your family, you had to be uber rich. Um, a cup of dove droppings were sold for one month's wages. I know that's gross, so I'll stop there. There's more I could say about that. But things were difficult, times were tough, the king of Israel is now pointing at Elisha, saying, you're the problem. You're the reason why this has happened to us. And Elijah's going to respond here in verse 1. Here's what we're going to see. Elijah replied to the commander of the king of Israel, who's really just a, an assassin sent to kill him. He says this, hear the word of the Lord. Now, I love this, okay? The king is wicked. He's pointing the finger at the prophet, Right? And God says through the prophet, I have a word for you. And believe it or not, it's a good word, right? God is merciful. Here's what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow at Samaria's gate, the place of commerce, six quarts of fine flour will sell for half an ounce of silver, and 12 quarts of barley will sell for a half an ounce of silver. Now, I know that those measurements and things like that, that's kind of lost on us. But essentially what the prophet said is, in 24 hours, I'm going to turn around the entire economy. Your economic situation is about to turn for the better, and it's only going to take 24 hours for me to do it. Now, if you think back to the pandemic, when we had our supply chain issues and products weren't available and then the cost of everything went sky high think about how long it kind of took or is still taking for things to normalize out and the prophet said by tomorrow we're going to fix all of this so look at what the commander says in response to this prophecy he says this in chapter two he says then the captain the king's right hand man responded to the man of god he said look even if the Lord were able to make windows in heaven. Could this really happen? See, what this commander does is he doubts the word of God. And he does so with a little bit of sarcasm. Even if God were able to open up a window in heaven, could this really happen? You see, in this man's doubt, you've got to look at the things that he's doubting. He's doubting the power of God, 
God couldn't do that. He's doubting the creativity of God. We've never done it that way before, right? Have you ever heard that? Not only that, he's doubting the goodness of God. Even if God could do that, it wouldn't be enough. You ever notice how in difficult seasons, it's kind of easy to doubt God's goodness? You ever notice how in difficult seasons you can get in a rut of negativity? I think that's this guy right now. He's in this situation of hopeless unbelief. That listen, God can't open that door. God can't fix this situation. God can't turn things around. But the truth is, he can. So Elijah announced, he says to the commander, you will, in fact, see it with your own eyes, but you're not going to eat any of it. And that's what unbelief does to us. You will see the work of God in the lives of other people, but you're not going to experience any of it because of your unbelief. To me, this is one of the most tragic things that can happen in the life of a human being. That you can see God work in the people around you, but you're too stubborn to allow it to happen in your own life. So now the story's going to shift for a minute, and it's going to get really interesting. Watch this shift in the story now. Verse 3. Now four men with a skin disease were at the entrance of the city gate. These men most likely have leprosy. They're outside the city of gate. They can't live in the city anymore. And they say to each other, why just sit here until we die? The siege has probably hit this group of people the hardest. They're the ones who get their food source from the dumpsters, if the people aren't throwing away food, there's no food at all for them. And so they get creative in their lack of resources. Isn't it funny how a lack of resources sometimes will make us very creative? But I want you to notice their line of reasoning here. Look at verse 4. They say, hey, listen, if we go into the city, we'll die because there's a famine in the city. But if we sit here, we're also going to die. So come on now. Let's surrender to the Armenian camp. If they let us live, we'll live. But if they kill us, we'll die. Now, notice the reasoning here, right? Door one, we go inside the city, we die. Door two, we sit here, we die. Door number three says this, we might not die. Let's try door number three. Let's see what happens. Um, the Christian rapper Lecrae says it this way, if I'm wrong about God... I've wasted my life. But if you're wrong about God and you don't believe, you've wasted your eternity. I want to throw this out there to you. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a believer, could you use this type of logic in your life? Um, the French mathematician Blaise Pascal came up with this theory called Pascal's Wager. And it was basically this idea that you should bet or wager on God because you have a lot to gain. You have literally nothing to lose. His wager basically said this. He said, let us weigh the gain and the loss in wagering that God is. Let us estimate these two chances. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Wager then without hesitation that he is. If you're not yet a Christ follower, you're here this morning. I just wonder if in the next few weeks, you might wager, you might go all in that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's good, that he's enough. And would you just try him out for a few weeks? You'll see at the Welcome Center, we've got these Bible reading plans would you just take for a few weeks some time and just say, okay, I'm going to investigate the claims of Scripture, and I'm just going to see. I'm just going to try this out. I'm just going to wager. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to join a connection group. I'm going to try out this Jesus thing. Let's see where it goes. What do you have to lose? You see, I would urge you this morning, don't be like the king's commander who doubts with much sarcasm. Would you rather be like these lepers who say, you know what? If I stay here, I die. If I go there, there's a chance. So let's see what happens. Verse 5. So the diseased men got up at twilight to go into the Armenians' camp. 
And when they got to the camp's edge, meaning they walked all the way around the camp, they discovered that no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenian camp to hear the sounds of chariots, horses, and a large army. Now, I love this because commentators speculate, how does God make them hear this large army when a large army isn't there? And some commentators would say that uh, they amplified the footsteps of the lepers. Others say that God, through the Spirit, put a perception in their minds that there was a large army and there, there wasn't. Here's what we need to know about the text. The Bible says, the Lord did it, right? That's it. We may not know how God did this, but we know he did it. In your life today, I would just throw this out there. You don't have to control everything. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all the details on how God is going to do something. Just know he's going to do it. You can trust him. So watch this. This is great. The Armenians said to each other, the king of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they got up and fled at twilight abandoning their tents, horses, and donkeys. The camp was intact, and they fled for their lives. They left behind everything. Now, this camp would have been like a small city, and inside of it is food, clothing, gold, silver, all of these things. So watch verse 8. When these diseased men came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink, They picked up silver, gold, clothing, and went off and hid them. They came back, entered another tent, picked things up, and they hid that too. If you get the picture here, these guys are like my kids on Christmas morning, right? They're getting up from the couch. They're running to the tree. They're grabbing some stuff. They're coming back, opening it up. Oh, look at that. And they're putting it down. And I can keep going back and forth, right? But I'll get out of breath while I'm preaching, so I don't want to do that. But do you see the picture here of how sweet this would have been? Here are these lepers, no hope, starving. Life has not been good so far. And in this moment, this was probably one of the sweetest moments of their lives. So I want to bring you back to the big idea. The big idea was this. Good news is to be enjoyed. Church, are you enjoying the good news? Are you enjoying the gospel and is it impacting your day to day difficult season sometimes it's easy to forget how good the gospel is Jesus lived for you what you could not live and he gave to you what you do not deserve his perfect righteousness oh we gotta enjoy this guys right now this Syrian camp for the lepers it didn't solve their leprosy problem did it they still had leprosy for us the gospel may not solve all of our problems but I'll tell you this it'll solve your biggest problem the gospel is to be enjoyed think about it preach it to yourself marvel at this to quote one of my favorite theologians he says God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Look at verse 9, though. Then they said to each other, we're not doing what is right. So they first enjoyed, but then there was a little bit of a nagging at their hearts. They enjoyed, but then they knew this has to be shared. They said, listen, we're not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait till morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let's go and tell the king's household. They enjoyed, but then they had to share. Listen, when the gospel is treasured in your heart, it will spill out from your lips. Charles Spurgeon so helpful here he says this if Jesus is precious to you you won't be able to keep the good news to yourself you'll be whispering it in your child's ear you'll be telling it to your spouse you'll be earnestly imparting it to your friends without charms of eloquence you'll be more than eloquent your heart will speak your eyes will flash as you talk of his love verse 10 
Oh, but then Spurgeon says this. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. So, we enjoy the good news. And then we share it. And notice what the four men said. What we're doing, it's not right. You see, I think one of the reasons why we get bored sometimes with the things of God is because we're not sharing the things of God. So remember the big idea. Good news is to be enjoyed. But good news is fully enjoyed when that good news is shared. Um, a couple weeks back, I was thinking about this passage, not knowing I was going to preach on it. And um, then I've been hanging out with this guy. We, we coach a basketball team together and uh, known each other for a long time. Went to high school together. And it dawned on me, I, I haven't had a gospel conversation with this guy. We've been, we've been doing this for a long time together. So I just one day came up to him and I said, hey, um, I need to apologize to you. I've done something that's not right. Of course, this freaked him out. He's like, what have you done? I was like, well, um, you know, my faith is really important to me. And I've just not shared my story with you. Could I, could I share like a little bit of my story with you for a moment? And he kind of smiled and he said, I've been wondering when this was going to happen, right? And so I shared with him. And then he said, okay, can I share with you? I was like, wow, great. Now I've got to listen to your story. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I said, sure, go ahead. Go ahead. He said, well, you know, I, I went to church when I was young, kind of went to college. I'm going. So if I'm honest, I don't really know what I believe right now. But I'm open to talking with you, and I'm open to see where this goes. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool, right? I just wonder in the next few weeks what might happen if you had the same conversation with someone, right? Hey, I know we've worked together for years, but this isn't right. I, I need to share this with you. Or I know you're my family, and you know me better than everyone else, but could I share this? Or you're my best friend. It's not right that I haven't had this conversation with you. Or I wipe the floor in pickleball with you but let me share this story. It's not right to keep it to ourselves. Verse 10, the diseased men came and they called the city gatekeepers. They told them they couldn't talk to anybody else. These were the only people they could talk to. So they have to shout it to them. Hey, we got some good news to tell you. They said, uh, when we went to the Armenian camp, no one was there. There was no human sounds. Nothing but tethered horses, donkeys, tents were intact. So the gatekeeper called out the news and reported it to the king's household. So the king got up in the middle of the night. He said, let me tell you what those Armenians have done. The king is still doubting God's goodness. He said, this is a trap, okay? We're gonna go in there. They're gonna ambush us. We don't need to go. We need to just sit back, wait this out. One of the king's servants said, please, let the messengers take five horses that are left in the city. Their fate is like the entire Israelite community who will also die. So let them see. Pascal's wager, right? right? Let's just try this out. Listen, I gotta say it again. If you're not a believer here today, would you just taste and see the goodness of the Lord? Verse 14, the messengers took two chariots, horses, and the king sent them after the Armenian army saying, go, and see what do we have to lose let's just go and see so they followed them as far as the Jordan they saw the whole way was littered with clothes and equipment that they've thrown off in haste look at verse 16 I want you to see the promises of God here then the people went out and plundered the Armenian camp it was then that six quarts of fine flour sold for a half ounce of silver and 12 quarts of barley sold for half an ounce of silver according to the word of the Lord. Remember what Elijah had said at the beginning? Elisha had said at the beginning of the chapter? Now look at verse 17. The king had appointed the captain, his right-hand man, to be in charge of the city gate. But the people trampled him in the gate. He died just as the man of God had predicted when the king had come to him. The commander got to see the blessing, but he didn't get to experience any of the goodness. So, 
What does this story have to do with us? What does it have to do about us here today as we approach 2024? Well, here's our question to consider again. What does an enslaved people group pointing their friends, family, and coworkers to freedom have to do with us? I believe there's five gospel parallels in this text. I just want to quickly unpack this to you as we look at this story. The first one's this. The gospel brings hope. The king and the nation of Israel are in a state of hopelessness. They are dead people walking, and they know it. Yet they have no clue that God is about to bring hope to their hopeless situation. This is what Jesus does for us, isn't it? Right? If the story of the Bible were to end in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve stuck in their unbelief, that would be the most tragic of all stories, wouldn't it? Yet God does not leave us there. He brings hope in saying that Eve would have an offspring, a rescuer who would crush the head of the serpent. You see, the gospel always brings hope to hopeless situations, which is why church in 2024, one of our resolutions need to be that we are going to be messengers of hope. Because there's no person, there's no situation that's ever truly hopeless with Jesus. The best is always yet to come with him. Be a person of hope. Number two, the gospel transcends unbelief. The king's commander said, there's no way this would happen. Yet his doubting didn't make the good news any less true. I want you to know something about the gospel. People respond to the gospel every time that it's preached. When I was in North Carolina, uh, pastored a small church out there, and there's a sweet little lady. Her name was Miss Betty. She was one of our best friends. And Miss Betty came up to me one time after a message, and she said, oh, that message touched my heart. I just wish somebody would have came forward and responded to it, which made me feel great, right? And I looked at her, and I said, Miss Betty, I want you to know people always respond to the gospel. They either respond in worship or unbelief. Spurgeon speaks to this again. He says, the same sun that melts the wax, it also hardens the clay. And the same gospel that melts a person to repentance, it also hardens others in their sins. The gospel, it transcends unbelief. So if we're gonna be messengers of hope, we need to be messengers of hope with the utmost confidence that the message that we have has the power to change someone's life. Number three, gospel parallel. The gospel is shared by ordinary and unlikely people. In Go Tell It on the Mountain, it talks about how the shepherds were the first ones to receive the gospel and share it. Here in the story, we see that it's lepers who receive good news and share it with everyone else. Listen, I want you to hear this morning, if you were valedictorian of your high school, captain of your football team, a D1 college athlete, God could probably still use you. But he specializes in the scriptures of using the ordinary and the unlikely. I tell you this because I want you to throw off any excuse you may have as to why God couldn't use you. It's just not valid when you look at the scriptures. Which leads to gospel parallel number four. Man, the gospel was designed to be shared. The leopard said, well, what we're doing is not right. There's a punishment on the way if we don't share this. And James four seventeen says, anything we know we ought to do and we don't, we sin. So I don't know about punishment, but here's what I do know. I do know we miss out on blessing when we keep the good news to ourselves. There's never been a moment that I've shared the gospel and I thought, wow, that was a waste of time. Every time I share good news, I'm walking away saying, wow, look at what God has done. This brings to the last thing I wanna show you this morning. And that's this, the gospel is the fulfillment of God's faithfulness. Remember, the prophet Elijah, he placed a time limit on his prophecy. He said, listen, in 24 hours, God is gonna change everything. Genesis 
that promise that we get in our most hopeless state says that there's going to be an offspring, a baby, a rescuer. And he's going to crush the head of the serpent. That's what theologians call the proto-evangelion, right? Proto-first, evangelion, gospel, first gospel. That promise is fulfilled in the Advent season, in Christmas time. We see that promise fulfilled. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you look throughout the story of scripture, creation has happened, the fall has happened, redemption has happened, the restoration of all things has not happened yet. We live in between the times. But here's what I want you to hear, church. As we live in between the times, we're in a season of grace. There won't be a season of grace for unbelief forever. This season too will end when Jesus returns. What does that mean for us? That means this gospel that we have, it's to be enjoyed, but it's also to be shared. So as we land the plane this morning, go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, right? That's why I'm not a worship pastor. <laughs> There's a double meaning to that song. The double meaning also pointed to an underground railroad. In an underground railroad, they had these two major components. They had stations, which were safe houses, where abolitionists would open their homes so that freed slaves or escaped slaves could come in. They'd have a safe place where they could get clothing, shelter, food, and assistance. There were stations for them. Not only that, there were conductors. The conductors were often, get this, freed slaves that would help people along on their journey to freedom. Church, I wonder, what would it look like if your connection group was a station for people enslaved by the curse of sin to have their eyes opened, find freedom, and then have a conductor who would walk them through the path of freedom so they could taste and see that the Lord is good. What would it look like for your connection group? What would it look like for our church to be a station in our community, a safe place for people enslaved to sin to find freedom? As we look forward to 2024, I pray that we continue to be a station. We continue to be conductors, pointing people to the one who can take a hopeless situation and bring hope. Let's pray together. Father, as we have looked at your word, God, as we have looked at this carol, Lord, I pray that we would be a station and we would be conductors, God. Lord, that we would realize that in you there is no hopeless situation. That God, for us, we would see that the gospel is something to be enjoyed and experienced, but also to be shared. So Father, as we now go into our mission field, help us to go tell it on the mountain, to be conductors of this good news. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning, like I said, and you do not yet know him, would you give it a shot? Be like one of these lepers and say, hey, I could stay dead in my sins or I could taste and see that the Lord is good. If you want to talk more about that, I'll be at the Welcome Center or you can come forward during this song. If you want to join this station of gospel truth, this church, we'd love for you to come and join our church. You can come forward or talk to me at the Welcome Center. But however the Spirit is moving among us today, would you stand and respond to the word of the Lord? We stand today.
have a seat. Some news is too good not to share. Amen. Hey, you know, have you ever, you've been around someone and they have news. Uh, they tell about a, someone is, uh, it's so hard when someone's pregnant to not tell their families or someone's engaged and there's just some news that's too good not to tell. I want you to know if you are a Christian here today, you have news that is just too good not to share to those around you. And so in 2024, as you look back at the end of 2024 and you look back on the year, who do you want to see come to know Christ in your life? Is there someone in your life that you need to start praying for right now? that God will save them in 2024? If so, I want to encourage you. Write their name down and begin praying for them as we move into the new year. As we go into the new year, I want to give you a couple of announcements. Number one, we have our Bible reading plan. Bible reading plan, they're available at the Welcome Center. And I would encourage you, if you don't have one, to grab one and to, to start your Bible reading. It's a reading plan through the New Testament that I'm challenging our church to read through during this year. So pick one of these up in the Welcome Center. It's, it's a plan. If you, if you haven't read the Bible before, um, I just want you to know, or you haven't ever, or you're one of those, some of you have told me the other day when I said this, that it resonated with you, that you've started well in January, but it was February that gave you the problems, right? And I just want to encourage you, this plan is for you. It is five days a week, 
one chapter a day, five minutes a day, five days a week, you can do this plan. I would love for you to grab one, take it home with you and get started. And if you, if you really want to get ahead and you're like all into New Year's resolutions, you can start it today. All right. And you'll be one day ahead the rest of the year. All right. So we'd love for you to do that. Secondly, is this Wednesday night, we're going to be kicking off our Wednesday night activities, students and kids and adults. We have a new adult study. We're doing a unified study here in the sanctuary starting at six o'clock and we're calling it Better Together. And it's a unified study for all adults where we will look at the topic of biblical community. We live in a world that is increasingly lonely and isolated. How do we as the church be a place where people can belong and become all that God created them to be? And we're going to be studying Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 over the next six weeks. We'd love for you to join us in this study of Better Together starting this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Um, in this morning as we leave, I want you to leave with a sense of encouragement and excitement that God is going to do great things in 2024 at First Baptist Manchester. Amen? And here's what I want you to know. He's got great plans for you, too. Let's step into them, and let's look forward to what God will do in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the message that we've been given today. That good news is to be enjoyed, but it's not fully enjoyed until we share it. So, Father, help us be a people who share good news. Our world desperately needs some good news. There's so much bad news all around us. But the news that will transform them, transform their lives is the news of the gospel. Let's be people who share it. And let's be a light in our dark world. Father, help us to tell it everywhere, as the song tells us. I pray you will do great things at First Baptist Manchester and in each person's life here this year. Give us a sense of excitement and encouragement as we leave this place today. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being here.